All right, Joshua 17 this morning. Joshua chapter 17. Joshua chapter 17. Preach to you this morning about there's a lot for you. A lot for you. I hope you like a lot. If a little bit's good, then a lot's got to be a whole lot better. Yes, sir. I like a lot of food, a lot of dessert. Amen. Amen. I like a lot of church. Amen. I like a lot of Bible. I like a lot of preaching. I like a lot of testifying, too. Amen. Amen. I like that. I, I like a lot. Amen. And God's got a lot. You know, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, it says, The Lord daily loadeth us with benefits. That seems to indicate to me that he's got a dump truck full. You say full of what? Whatever you need. Amen. The Lord's got a lot. Look here in Joshua chapter 17 and verse 1. The Bible said, There was also a lot. So, Brother Nathan, you surely ain't going to preach out of that. Sure I am. There's a lot. There's a lot for the tribe of Manasseh. All right. Father, Lord, I pray that you help us this morning. We thank you, God, for your goodness to us. And, Lord, do thank you for the chance to be here. God, pray that, Lord, you'd have your will and way among us. And, God, pray that, Lord, the word of God would be glorified. Lord, pray that your name would be magnified and lifted up. And, God, I pray that you'd help me, God, Lord, to say these things as they need to be said. God, I pray, Lord, that you just watch out over us this morning. We'll thank you for it. God, lead us, guide us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Bible says there was also a lot for the tribe of Manasseh. And there's no doubt in my mind that God, speaking about the Lord this morning, that he does have a lot. He's got a lot of many things. But here in the text, he, I, you separate that A from the L-O-T. And that's talking about a particular place. And let me just say this this morning. God has a particular place for every man, woman, boy, and girl that's in here this morning. And every man, woman, boy, and girl that's alive, God's got a lot for you. You say, what you talking about? I'm talking about God has a place for you that he wants you to be in. It's a specific place. Yes, sir. And for these people right here in the book of Joshua, it was a piece of real estate. It was a physical piece of land. God had made a promise to Abraham, and then that promise passed on to Isaac, and then that promise passed on to Jacob, who was also Israel, and then it passed on to his 12 boys, which turned out to be 12 tribes of one nation. And God made a promise to those people. He said, I'm going to give you a piece of land. And here in the book of Joshua, what you find is these people are getting ready to go in and claim the land. Uh, let me just throw this in here, get a little political on you this morning, which I'm not afraid of, not shy of. Uh, but all that land over there that they're fighting all over, that all belongs to Israel. We'll just, just cut, it, cut it out right there and just say it all belongs to Israel. You say, you ain't got no business saying that in church. Well, it's in my Bible. I can't help it. I mean, if it's in the Bible, I got a right to say it. I got a responsibility to say it. It don't, it don't belong to the, to the Arabs. It don't belong to uh, anybody else. It belongs to Israel. You say, how can you be so arrogant as to say it belongs to Israel? Because God said it belongs to Israel. The same God that wrote John 3.16 and Romans 3.23. Yes, sir. The same God that penned down Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 is the same God that said that piece of land belongs to Israel going stretching from the Nile River all the way to the Euphrates and a good ways up 
Long ways. That all belongs to Israel. It's all Israel's land. God promised it to them. And here in the book of Joshua, what there is in the book of Joshua, these people's going in to get it. Hey, it's time to go get it. Uh, how would you like for somebody to say, hey, I got something sitting around my house and this is yours. I got a, I got a, uh, I got a 2023 Chevy Duramax with uh, 23 inch rims on it and it's got your name on it. All you got to do is just come get the keys. Anybody be a taker? Anybody move down there in a hurry and go get it? I don't know what your favorite vehicle is. If, if it was a diesel and it had big tires on it and somebody said it's yours, you just got to come get it. I'd be down there right now. I might. I might would stop preaching to go get it. Maybe. I mean, I like preaching. I enjoy preaching. But, you know, if it was once in a lifetime grab, I might have to pray real hard about that and see what the Lord would give me liberty to do. Lord is for my family. You know, I can haul them back and forth to church and... I don't think I might be able to get some liberty from the Lord on that. Well, you'd just have to go get it is what I'm telling you. All you'd have to do is just go get it. That's all you'd have to do. Well, that's what these people's doing. God said, hey, I've given you some land. All you got to do is just go in there and get it. Just go in there and get it. But you know what you find in the book of Joshua? There's two things that you find in the book of Joshua. One is you find an inheritance. That's what I'm talking about. It's a piece of land. And that inheritance was divided up for each tribe of that nation of Israel. This tribe was supposed to live here. And you go through the book of Joshua. It starts, I think, in about old Joshua 12, somewhere right around there. And it goes to about Joshua 20, somewhere around there. And all it is, a, a lot of what it is, not all of what it is, but a lot of what it is is just names of cities. And you say, what's all this cities about? What's all this land for? Well, that's the charter. That is the charter of what cities belong to what nation and the, or what tribe of the nation of Israel. And God's describing their boundaries. God's describing their borders. Hey, this, this city right here, this, this tribe, Benjamin gets this piece of land and it starts from here and goes to this city and then it goes to this city. I ain't got them all named. So you'll just have to stick with this city and that city. All right. You have to deal with that this morning. I'm not super smart. But he goes through and he gives all these things. And Judah gets this over here. And here's, he starts describing all that stuff. But you know what there is a whole lot of in the book of Joshua? There's a whole lot of fighting. And because of that, I kind of like the book of Joshua. Hey, Joshua gets over there and he's walking outside of Jericho. They're getting ready to, to swarm Jericho like a bunch of bees. Huh? They're getting ready to go over there. And Joshua's out there scoping out the place one night. And he gets out there and somebody's standing across the way all, right next to Jericho with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua, you can just about see him pull his sword out of his sheath and walk over there. Who are you for, us or them? And he said, nay. It wasn't a yes or no question. But he said, no, nay. But as captain of the hosts of the Lord am I come. Joshua said, whoa. He said, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Joshua, take off his shoes and get down on his knees. Hey, I like Joshua. Joshua. Joshua's an awesome book. There's a whole lot of fighting in there. Some of you ladies say, I, that don't appeal to me. I, I beg to differ. Some of you ladies is more attracted to fighting than some of your husbands are. I know that's the case because some of you ladies take harder preaching than your husbands do. That's truth. That's truth. Man, you can preach. You can preach up a storm. Preach about an hour and a half. And some of these ladies sitting here just tuned in, ready to roll with it. And some of the fellas. 
You say, preacher, we're bored. You're not bored. You backslid as a devil. You're right. Your wife is right with God. That's all there is to it. Oh, yes, sir. That's what it is. Oh, yes, sir. Some of you ladies like to fight more than your husbands do. Amen. And i tell you something. Let me just say this. If you're going to be a good Christian, you're going to have to have some fight in you. Hey, listen, let me, let me tell you something. Let me just give a little bit of advice. This is not scripture, but this will do you some good, okay? If you're going to be a good Christian, I recommend making a reading out of good military history. Yes, sir. That's not Bible. If you don't do that, God is not going to hate your guts. God's not going to be mad at you. You're not going to be backslidden, but it'll help you. It'll really help you because if you're going to be a Christian, listen, all hell is going to break loose and you're going to have to have some fight in you. You're going to have to have some grit in your crawl. I don't even know what a crawl is. I ain't never seen one. But you're going to have to have it. You're going to have to have some dead dog determination. You're going to have to be willing to fight about some things. You're going to have to be willing to get something mad. You're going to have to be willing to get mad. That's what's wrong with some of you. Your blood pressure's too low. You ain't never got mad about nothing because everybody's taught you you got to be nice. I'm sick of nice. There's no scripture. There's no scripture anywhere in the Bible where God told you you had to be nice. You do have to be kind. You do have to have charity. But charity and kindness is not the same thing as niceness. I don't want to judge anybody. Why? 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 You judging people, you just ain't, you ain't got enough guts to let it come out your mouth. Hey, and I will say, you don't, have to, you don't have to say everything that you think. That's not what I'm talking about. But Lord have mercy, ain't you, don't you ever get upset about anything? Some folks don't. Yes, sir. That's why I say I think some ladies have got more testosterone flowing through their veins than the fellas do. I don't want to make nobody mad. I, what is you? Hey, man, maybe you belong down in a public school wondering what gender you are. You say, what you trying to do, Brother Nathan? I'm trying to get you a little aggravated. I'm trying to get you a little stirred up to get you to say, hey, if you're going to be a good Christian, you're going to have to get mad about some things. You're going to have to get, you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to be committed to this thing. And when you commit, you're going to have to be interested in fighting. Brother Nathan, what you preach against all this contemporary Christian stuff for? Because I'm involved. I'm in it. Hey, this is not just something that I'm a bystander of. I'm in this thing. I'm as in as in can be. And listen, when somebody starts messing with the religion that God made me a steward of. Hey, I'm a steward of this religion. I am a steward according to 1 Corinthians. He said, you're a steward of the mysteries of God. Well, I've been given charge of this stuff, not just as a preacher, not just as a pastor. As a Christian, God gave this stuff to me. I'm supposed to propagate it. When somebody starts perverting it, it makes me a little upset. I get a little involved. Yes, sir, you start saying God's accepting stuff that looks like homo whatever. Yes, sir. I, I get a little upset about that. When the fellas get up and preach and they don't sound like they sound they, they don't sound like men, but they sound like a little effeminate rag dolls, it makes me a little upset. God, can I just say this? God is a man. God does not have anything against women. God doesn't have anything against women. I think some fellas got more against women than God does, because God don't have anything against a woman. God loves women, but God's a man. That's just all there is to it. You say, how do you know? Exodus 15, verse 3, the Lord is a man. Goes on to say he's a man of war, but he says he's a man. 
You come up with your stupid little verse that says he's a woman or neuter. He ain't, he ain't, he's a man. He's a man. He's a man. There's a lot of information in there about that God that you say you know and worship and love. Yes, sir. He's a man. And God tends to get a little upset about things. God's a jealous God. Yes, sir. God's a jealous God. God's a righteous God. Yes, sir. Wednesday night we preached about that. Wish you would have been here if you wasn't. But God's a righteous God. Yes, sir. And listen, let me just say this. Let me get on with the message this morning. I say that God has a place for everybody. God's got a place for you. God's got a place where he wants you to be. Hey, for these people, it was a physical piece of real estate. For you, it's a place of restored relationship. It's a place of restored fellowship. You know where your place is? It's right by God's side. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. A lot of you is not there this morning. You say, where am I? I don't know, but you're not next to God's side. You say, how do you know I'm not next to God's side? You don't like the things that God likes. Huh? You don't like church. A lot of folks don't like church. A lot of folks coming to church is like taking castor oil. When they're here, it's... The whole time. Why? Hey, man, when you get right with God, you love the things that God loves. You love the things that God loves. Jesus Christ died for the church. Did he not? He died for the church. That means that Jesus really has an affinity for the church. I mean, you don't die for things that you just, yeah, it's okay. You die for things you're crazy about. Hey, I'm willing to die for this. Somebody come in my house with a, with a, with a gun or you come in my house after hours. You say, what's after hours? When the sun goes down. And you don't even come in my house when the sun's up if I don't say, come in. Ain't that right? You fellas know what I'm talking about? Are you manly men? Wherever you are. <laughs> That's right. You know, hey. Yes, yeah, sir. I, don't, I got so distracted with y'all not being here. I don't even know where I was. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, we'll get back to this. God's got a place. Oh, hey. Somebody come in your house. I know right where I was. Thank you, Lord. Somebody come in your house, you're willing to die for your family. Why? Because you love them. You love them. Hey, I'm interested in the well-being of my family. God's interested in the well-being of his church. He's interested. He's interested. He's obviously more interested in church than some folks that say they're part of it are interested in it. But I tell you this, God loves his church. Jesus Christ gave his life for the church. And when you get right with God, you get interested in the things he's interested in. Boy, I remember when I was talking to my wife, there was things that I tried to get interested in. Not because I enjoyed them, but because she did. Ain't that what you do when you start trying to love somebody? You start trying to love the things that they love. Hey, we want to get along. I'd like to be able to tolerate this individual that I live with. Well, how do you do that? Well, get to a place to where you can enjoy the things that they enjoy. Church would be a good start. Bible would be a good start. Hey, prayer would be a good start. I got a recommendation for you, Brother Dylan. Don't marry a woman that you're not interested in talking to. That will be very hard. Uh, We'll get married, but don't talk to me. Just leave me alone. (laughs) It almost sounds... No, I just... (laughs) That, that, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Lord, I want to be saved. But don't ever talk to me again. I'm not ever talking to you again. 
It don't work too good. Yes, sir, you get, in, you get interested in the things he's interested in. Yes, sir. Hey, the place that God's got for you, regardless of who you are in here this morning, the place God has for you is right by his side, right here. God says, I want you right here. The reason a lot of folks can't walk with God is because they're trying to walk right here, but they got something that grieves God. Got some kind of sin in your life. Yes, sir. You know what God hates? We might as well just go through a list. Can we do that? You know what God hates? God hates fornication. But God doesn't just hate fornication. He hates anything that would, might lead you to that. Huh? Yes, sir. Any, anything that would result in that kind of mentality, God hates it. God hates stealing. God hates, God hates escapism. I just throw that out there just real broad like that. You say, why would you say something like that? Well, that includes beer. That includes dope. That includes drugs of any kind, including tobacco. God don't like that stuff. Hey, uh, <clears throat> that's largely what pornography is, is it's escapism. You're leaving reality, checking out and going into an imaginary world. Hey, a lot of folks sit right in church and they're not even here. They're somewhere out in la la land. Not necessarily what I just mentioned, but they're not even in church thinking about what they got to do tomorrow, thinking about what's going on over here and got this to take care of. You're not even here. You're just escaping reality. God don't appreciate that. Hey, this life that you're living, God loves it. God loves it. You should love it. You say, well, I don't love it. Well, then there's something mis misconstrued between you and God because the Bible says in 1 Peter, he said, he that'll love life and see good days. And then he gives you some instructions. God's intent is for you to enjoy this life. So I just really don't enjoy it. Then something's wrong with you, not God. God wants you to love it. God wants you to enjoy it. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. But I will say this this morning, if you're going to enjoy this life, if you're going to really be a good Christian, if you're going to enjoy your Christian life, you're going to have to fight for it. Hey, quit, quit waiting on the day that you're going to become a good Christian. Start, start pursuing it. Start pursuing it with some vigor. <clears throat> Do you know where your instructions are to be a good Christian? It's not on YouTube. It's so fun to watch all kinds of stuff on YouTube. There is so much stuff on YouTube, but that's not where you figure out how to be a good Christian. It's right here. It's right here. Here's your instruction manual. You said, Brother Nathan, what do I have to do to be a good Christian? You say, isn't there some kind of golden key that I can just throw in the lock and turn it and voila? No, see, I don't know where you got that from. You probably got that from Benny Hinn or Joel Osteen, you know, be your better you. But that kind of life does not exist. It just don't exist. That's not how you become a good Christian. You say, how do I become a good Christian? You got to labor at it. You got to work at it. You become born again instantaneously. It is, it is simple. You, you know why it's simple? Because somebody already went through the grueling hard task and provided salvation for you. You become saved, hey, just by believing what Jesus Christ did for you at Calvary. But to be a Christian, you say, Brother Nathan, I don't understand the distinction that you're placing between being saved and being a Christian. Well, the Bible says in the book of Acts that the Christians were first, the disciples, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. You know what a Christian is? It's a disciple. 
It's somebody that has to look at a master and say, what you want me to do? What's your will? That takes some development. That takes some discipline right there in the world. It takes, it takes some fighting. Yes, sir. It's going to take some fighting. Yes, sir. It's going to take a lot of fighting. There's a lot for you. Let me say this. The place, the place that God has for you, it's right next to it, but it's a place of truth. You know what the Bible says in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4? It said, God who wants all men to come to a knowledge of the truth. You say, Brother Nathan, I got some things in my mind, in my heart this morning that I got some questions about. Hey, God wants you to have answers about those things. I don't know what questions they are. You don't have to tell me what they are. You don't come confess your sins to a priest. I'm not a priest. I'm just a preacher. Huh? And these fellas down here at the Catholic Church, they ain't a priest ne neither. But I will say this. Hey, God wants you to know. That's the place that God has for you. God, God wants you to understand. Hey, listen. Everything, I believe everything that's in that Bible, God wants you to understand. I believe that. I believe a lot, most of the responsibility of why you don't know what you could know, it's on your shoulders. Because God wants you to know. It's a place of truth. I say this, the place where God wants you to be, the, the place, the lot that God has for you is a place of repentance. Second Peter chapter 3, it said, God is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but the Lord is long-suffering to usward. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I know some Christians that need to repent. You know, a lot of folks, listen, a lot of folks, listen to me. A lot of Christians have lost the mindset of repentance. They've lost the attitude of repentance. You remember the day that you got saved? Man, God took something and really got a hold of your heart. God took some particular sin and got a hold of your heart and said, you are messed up. You are a sinner. And boy, you saw that thing the way that God saw it. That's the working of the law. You saw that thing the way that, you, that, that God saw it and you made your way down somewhere, maybe an altar in church or maybe a coffee table down at the house and you got down there and boy, you got to the same place where Job was at. Hey, I've heard of you with the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee and I abhor myself. I abhor myself. I hate myself and I repent in dust and ashes. And you know, when you got up off your knees, you still had remnants of that attitude. Oh, man, I can't believe I'm so bad. Boy, I'm saved. But boy, there was something that just kind of remained with you. It was just this, it was an attitude of humility. It was a repentant mindset. Preacher would stand up right after you got saved. Preacher would stand up and say, hey, you better stop that. And you'd go, oh. A lot of folks have lost that. A lot of folks now, preacher stand up and say, hey, you're not right about that. And Who's he think he is? <laughs> the same guy he was when you got saved. Nothing's changed with the preacher. Something's changed with your attitude. Yes, sir, you lost your repentant mindset. Well, you got out. Listen, you know what you did? You got out of the lot. Yes, sir. We drive past our house. We go to our house out there on Spanish Creek, and we drive down uh, Gibson Post, and right there off to the side of the house, there's, uh, or side of the road, there's George Gibson lives right there on the side of this big white house, and he's got a big cow lot out in the back, and I know the fellow that leases that land from him. He's got a bunch of cows out there, and every once in a while, them cows will get out. I think what it is is Mr. George forgets to close the gate when he goes to feed them. I don't know that, but I think that's what happens. But every once in a while, you drive down the road, and you see this big cow coming out on the side of the, on the, side of the Gibson Post. 
You say, what did he do? He got out of his lot. That's what a lot of Christians have done. They got out of the place of truth. They got out of the place of repentance. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll say this. That place where God has for you, it's a big place. It's a big place. Uh, if you've got a big pasture, I think this church sits on about three acres. I don't know, something like that, maybe close to four. I don't remember. But that sounds about right to me. Of course, I don't estimate, I don't estimate land very good. But if you've you got a big piece of land like this and you put a cow right in the middle of the place, he'll stand out and look in that place. If he could talk, if he could think like a person would, he'd stand out there and look around and say, boy, this is a big place. But let him get out there on the edge, right up against a fence. Looking over the fence. Boy, this is not a very big place. That's a better place. I need to get over there. Hey, listen. The place that God has for you as a Christian, it's, it's big. It's enormous. But what a lot of Christians do is they're standing right on the edge of the fence. Huh? They're standing right up close to the edge. And they're looking out over here and saying, maybe that's better. No, it's not better. It's not better. It's not better. You know what Ephesians chapter 1 says about the lot that God has prescribed to you? He said, he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings, all. How much more can you get than all? All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Brother Nathan, I can't wait to the day that I'm going to heaven. But you know, the Bible says in, in a sense you're already there. Boy, you're really lacking, ain't you? I mean, you really got something that you need extra of. Well, you know, I just ain't, I ain't had a ribeye steak here in a little while. Hey, you just walk right over here in the freezer, and there's one ribeye steak in there. Y'all have to fight for it. We're talking about fighting this morning. We'll have a church split over who gets the ribeye steak in the freezer. Uh, huh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, God starts describing this place where Israel's going to go in and he's going to take, he's going to take it. Right here in the book of Joshua, he describes it in Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 11. And you know what he says about that place? He says it's a place where God's eyes are always on that land. God's always watching that place. Little, little, little old place called Canaan. It's where the children of Canaan were. It's where God's going to take the children of Israel and put them in there. God said, the Bible says God's watching it. God keeps his eye on that place. Hey, the place where God's got for you as a Christian, it's a place where God has his eyes glued to. You go in there and the Bible said God, God waters it with the rain of heaven. God told him, he said, when you get in there in the land of Canaan, he said, you're going to plant and he said, you're going to have to turn around and reap. You're going to plant. You're going to have to turn around and reap. And he said, the reapers are going to overtake the sowers. Because I'm going to bless it so much. That's, where God ha that's what God has for a Christian. It's a place of fruitful labor. Well, Nathan, I do all this work and I do all this work and I just don't ever seem to get anything. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm not talking about what you're doing down at your workplace. Of course, a lot of what you're doing down at the workplace, it could be floundering. It could be failing because you're not right with the Lord. That's a very grand possibility. You say, where you get that from? Well, I, I remember that there was these 12 disciples one time, and they followed this man named Jesus. And after Jesus was crucified, they said, hey, let's go back to fishing. Let's go back to doing what we used to do. And they went back and they went fishing. And they fished all night, and they fished all night, and they fished all night, and they caught nothing. And then the next morning, they see some man standing out there on the shore. 
And he says, children, have you any meat? I said, no. And he said, well, cast your nets on the other side. Who's this guy? They throw their nets on the other side. And the Bible said they couldn't even pull the nets up. They had to send another boat out to help them get to shore. As soon as they got them nets and started pulling them over the edge of the boat, Peter said, I know who that is. A lot of the reason you're floundering down at your workplace, I guarantee, is because you're not, you're not right with the Lord. You say, oh, I don't believe that. I know. That's why, you, that's why you're in the situation that you're in. You know everything. Mm -hmm. You know everything. You, you got to get right with God first. That's why you're floundering down at the workplace. Get God involved down at your workplace. Hey, whatever you get ready to do down at the workplace, I was really trying to apply this spiritually, but maybe this needs to be said. Whatever you do down at the workplace, why don't you get God involved? Hey, before you get down there and pull out your lawnmower and get ready to cut some grass, get down on your knees and just say, God, I pray you'd bless this grass that I'm about to cut. Oh, get out there and start slinging some trash, Brother Chris. Of course, I think Brother Chris pushes more paper than he pushes trash now, poor guy. Before you start pushing all them that paper and those pencils around, get down and on your knees before you, get, before you head down there and say, God, I pray you bless all these pencils that get pushed. He said, Brother Nathan, that's a little bit silly. Maybe it's a little silly to get the point across, but I guarantee you, the reason that you're not having as much success down at your workplace is because God's not even looking in that direction. God's going to have to start looking at it. God's going to have to start looking at it. God's going to have to start being involved in those things. You say, I don't care about God being involved. Okay, then just live in a place where you don't get any reward for your labor. You know what the place where God would have you to be, Christian? It's in a place of answered prayer. You know what's more important to some of you folks? Whether or not you're going to get a check from Biden this year. Huh? You better hang that up. I doubt you're going to get one. Oh, but even if you did, I'd hate to know that that was more important to me than getting my prayers answered. Yeah. Do you know that there's not anything that the United States government can do for you that God couldn't do? Huh? And God can do so much more. God can do so much more. Hey, God can do for you whatever it is that you're looking for and whatever you need. And you still have joy in your heart. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's a place where prayers are answered. That should get up on the priority list in your life. God's got a place for you. But I say this this morning, you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to fight for it hard. Yes, sir. You've got to want it. You've got to want it. You've got to want it bad. You've got to get the fever. Yes, sir. I don't know a whole lot about hunting, but I, I hear that there's some of these hunters, they get this, what do they call that, buck fever? Is that what they call Man, got to get them a deer. Got to get them a buck, man. And they do just about, it seems like they do just about anything to get them one. I wish my wife would get that. Been a long time since I've had a good deer. <laughs> I'd pick on her a little bit. I didn't mean to embarrass you. Of course, I did. Get out there and get a deer. <laughs> oh, huh? You want to be a good Christian? You need to get some Christian fever. Yes, sir. You know, a, a fella that's eaten up with hunting, man, he'll spray himself with dough urine. That's nasty. That is nasty. That's disgusting. But a fella sit there, go sit out there in the woods all day, all day. You say, but it's in January. In January, it's 70 degrees outside. 
because you got a fever. Buck fever, that is. Yes, sir. You said, Brother Nathan, I want to be a good Christian. You're going to have to want it. And you're going to have to want it bad. Yes, sir. You're going to have to want it bad enough to go against all odds. Brother Nathan, you can't be a good Christian this day and time. You're going to have to want it bad enough to try. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're going to have to want it. Listen, you're going to have to want it bad. You know, you know what the hindrance to believing the truth for a lot of folks is? A lot of times it's just the simple fact that so-and-so don't believe that way. You know why a lot of pastors run their churches the way that they're running them right now? They're running them incorrectly. If they're running them incorrectly, you know why they run them that way a lot of times? It's not because they've been led of the Holy Spirit. It's because they've been led of all their preacher friends. Hey, if that happens for preachers, I know it happens for Christians. I know it happens for people in their day-to-day lives. Well, so-and-so don't do it that way. So-and-so don't look at it that way. So-and-so don't believe. Hey, so-and-so drinks a little beer, and he's right with God. So-and-so drinks beer, and he's a deacon in the church. I mean, what could God have against that? You're going to have to be willing to go against all odds. Brother Nathan, why would we stick around People's Baptist Church where there ain't no contemporary Christian music when we could go to several of these different churches right here in town and they got it playing over the stereo systems in the church right before the church starts? Hey, walk right into the church service and it sounds like there's rap going on in the the church before. I thought about playing Lester Roloff in here before when y'all come in. Yes, sir. But I felt like that was a little bit too mechanical. So I don't do that. I'd rather just be quiet. Amen. I don't, I don't like artificial things. That's why we have a real piano. I, hey, you go into a church and they got a digital piano. You say, Brother Nathan, you're just rambling. No, I'm, I'm really trying to make a point. You go into a church and they got a digital piano. I, I don't care about that. You help yourself. I just don't like it. It's personal. Hey, y'all want to take up some money and buy a digital piano? Do it after I'm gone. Amen. Amen. We'll buy a grand piano in the meantime. Yes, sir. Hey, man, I figured some of y'all would have a heart attack on that. That's okay. That's why we don't vote on nothing. I preach on everything this morning. Just give me a second. Uh, You're going to have to want it bad enough to go against all odds. And you're going to have to want it bad enough to sacrifice. Hey, if you want to know the truth, you're going to have to dedicate some time to it. You know, the truth is not something that's like apples hanging on an apple tree. It's not wide out in the open. You say, Brother Nathan, I, I'm not so sure I believe that. Well, the Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that the God of this world is blinding the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. Somebody's trying to hide the truth from you. Yes, sir. Somebody doesn't want you to see the truth. They don't want you to find it. You say, who are you talking about? Well, primarily the devil. I mean, there's some other folks that don't want you to find the truth. We'll deal with that here in just a second. But there's somebody that don't want you to find the truth. And so if you want the truth, you're going to really have to search for it. You're really going to have to dig for it. Well, so-and-so said that this was true. No, 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 no. No, you're going to have to do some labor. The Bible said much study is a weariness to the flesh. It's a weariness. It's going to wear you out. Some of you fellas go work out in the sun for 10 and 12 and 13 and 14 hours a day out, out in this hot Georgia, uh, hot Florida sun, wherever it is that you're working. And boy, you just get wore out. Hey, when's the last time you ever got wore out studying? 
Well, I guess you got something that you're trying to accomplish. That's why you wear yourself out over here working all day. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. But how bad do you really want the truth? Hey, I'm not even telling you how much time you should spend. I'm just saying the Bible says much study is a weariness to the flesh. If you ain't never been wore out studying, I guess you ain't studied much. I studied today. Was you wore out when you got done? Then I guess you didn't study much. That's what the verse says. Much study is a weariness to the flesh. That's what it says. You're going to have to dedicate some time to it. Yes, sir. I know where I am. I'm in the south. I love this place. I love southerners. But I, hey, man. Hey, but I tell you, I've been here just about my whole life. God cursed me for a little while and sent me up to Virginia and Delaware. Brother Mike was here. He'd, he'd probably punch me for saying Virginia. But I look at, you know, anything north of the Georgia state line, it's just about Yankees. It might be north. It might be north of the Charlton County line. I'm not sure, but we'll, we'll pray about that and we'll, we'll try and figure that out. But you know what? I lived here most of my life, and I can tell you what the general attitude of Southerners is. The preacher studies his Bible, and he preaches us a sermon, and that's how we know what God wants us to do. You know what preaching is? Preaching is a necessary part. It's a necessary part of your Christian life. Church is a necessary part of your Christian life. But this is like a mineral block for a cow out in the pasture. Hey, take away that feed, Brother Curtis, from those cows and just give them mineral blocks and just set them out there and let's see how long they live. Hey, it's vital. There's some stuff in those blocks that they got to have. They got to have it. Got to have it. They can't live without it. They're not going to be good, healthy cows without them mineral blocks. But they ain't going to live on that. And you know what a lot of Christians are doing? They come to church and they go... And they walk out the back door and they never eat anything spiritual again. Just leave the Bible sitting on the coffee table. Don't pray about anything. Don't tell anybody about the Lord. I just just wonder, man, I'd really like to be a little better Christian. And I think some folks have lost their zeal for that. They lost their zeal for that. But they sit around and say, I wonder when I'm going to be a good Christian. I wonder too. Hey, I'll tell you, I'll tell you when you're going to be a good Christian. The day you get tired of being where you're at. And you say, I'm going to fight for this. I'm going to throw down and I'm going to do something about this. The only reason I'm in the situation where I'm at is because of what I'm doing. Well, I'm going to change what I'm doing. I'm going to do something about being a good Christian starting today, right now. Right now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's what an altar calls for, by the way. It really is. That's what it is. But we'll deal with that in Sunday school. No, we won't. We'll deal with it right now. You know why a lot of folks don't really get concreted in their heart what's said in the church service? Because they don't act on it right now. They don't act on it right now. They wait till they get home to try and act on it. That's what this is for. When you make your way down to an altar, listen, when you make your way down to an altar, what you're doing is God pricked your heart about something. You're putting it into motion right now before you even get out of these doors. Listen, you know just as well as I do, when you walk out the back doors of those church, there's about five people that's going to stop you from where you sit to the time you get outside. And they're going to talk about everything that doesn't have to do with anything of what you heard. How's your livestock? How's the hunting? How's your job? How's your family? Whatever. And that's all, that's all good. That's all well and good. 
but it gets your mind off of everything that you just heard preach. Hey, why don't you get down here and say, God, I heard what was said. I heard what you dealt with me about, and God, help me. Help me. Help me. You don't have to get down here and make a big scene. You don't have to get down here and, you know, pray for three hours. can if you want to. It ain't going to hurt nothing. But why don't you move on what God dealt with you right now? Do it right now. You're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to fight for it. Yes, sir. Your mind, your will, your affection has limits. You're not, you're not, you don't have an indispensable amount of mental power. You can develop that, I believe, but you don't have an indispensable amount of time. You don't have an indispensable amount of affection. You're going to have to find some things you're willing to sacrifice to maybe pour into this a little bit more. The reason a lot of folks don't have any time for Bible reading is because their time's filled up with just all kinds of other stuff. Not even bad stuff that it's filled up with. You said, Brother Nathan, I just believe that's your job. Well, I just believe you're wrong. It's not, it's not my job. It's my job to preach to you, but it's my job to preach to you and try to stir you up and say, hey, I'm going to own this. Own it. It's yours. It's yours. And then let me say this. This will be my last point. Let me say this. The only way you're going to get into the lot where God has for you, the only way you're going to live there is by following Joshua. It's by following Joshua. You say, what do you mean by that? So glad you asked. Let me tell you for about 30 minutes. Uh, you know who couldn't take the children of Israel into the land? Man, y'all really smart. I thought I was going to have to go through some deep doctrinal thing and explain it to you. Yeah, Moses couldn't take them in. You know what Moses is a type of? He's a type of the law. And the law, you know what law, the law is? It's rules. You know what rules can't do for you? They can't take you into the land of Canaan. They can't take you into a place of victory. But that's how a lot of folks is trying to live in the land of Canaan. That's how a lot of folks is trying to live in fellowship with God. They're trying to live by rules. Well, Brother Nathan, I'm here every time the doors are open. I open my Bible and I read, you know, two pages out of my Bible. And I mean, if that's all you read, hey, make sure you're doing, doing it because it's what God wants to. But that's exactly the attitude that a lot of people have. Brother Nathan, I read 300 pages. I just, uh, what else do you expect me to do? Hey, how about following Joshua? You know what, a, what Bible readings become to a lot of Christians? It's just one more rule. Yeah. Coming to church has become one more rule. Yeah. And that is not what New Testament Christianity is about. When you read Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 7, Paul lays out the difference between what it was like living under the Old Testament, which was a wild thing. I think there's some things you're going to have a hard time understanding about the way that men lived under the Old Testament, living in the New Testament. But he said, you know what they did? They lived by the letter of the law. But you know how a Christian lives? He lives in newness of spirit. It's right there in Romans chapter 7. You say, what's the difference? Well, in the Old Testament, it was really a thing of abstinence. It was a thing of ordinances. Here's these rules. You've got to go down to Jerusalem, offer your sacrifice. You've got to go to the door of the tabernacle and do this and do that. You've got all these rules that you've got to follow. And hey, you better follow them or God's going to be upset with you. In the New Testament, when you hit Romans chapter 12, after Paul gets, exp gets done explaining all these doctrines of salvation, you know what he starts dealing with you about? He starts dealing with you about your attitude. Turn over there and look. Look in Romans chapter 12 real quick. I don't want to keep you here all day. <laughs> I think that might have just been a lie. 
Look at Romans chapter 12. Look at it real quick. Look, look down at about verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Not slothful. Hey, a lot of this has to do with your attitude. A lot of it has to do with, with the spirit which, with, with which you serve. God's not just interested in the fact that you're doing what's right, but he does want that right attitude. You say, what is, what's going on with a lot of Christians? You're not living in Canaan because you're following Moses. Well, here I am. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, but your attitude stinks. Yeah. Your attitude is horrible. You do it with a begrudged spirit. You, you don't ever say thank you to the Lord. You don't say, God, I really appreciate you not killing me today. Amen. God, I thank you for letting me wake up this morning with good health. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you don't know what a great blessing it is to have good health until it gets taken away. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're going to have to start following Joshua. You know what the difference is between Moses and Joshua for you as a Christian? <clears throat> Moses, Christians sit there and they'll hear the rules that the preacher says and hope oh, better not do that because I don't want the preacher to preach on that next week. He's going to preach on it anyway because he ain't watching your life. He's not living like a fly on the wall down at your house. Your house, let me just alleviate you of something. Your house is not bugged. I just don't know. I don't know what you're doing down there. Uh, relax. Of course, if you're under conviction, don't relax. Get right. But, I better not do that next week because the preacher's going to preach against it. Boy, I got to stay away from that. I, I don't want my mama to find out. Boy, she come down and pay me a visit and whoop me. But you know, when you start getting involved with Joshua... It's Jesus. The Bible said, book of Acts, I believe it's Acts chapter 8. S Stephen's preaching and he says, Jesus led the, those Israelites into the place, into the place of the land of Canaan. Jesus led them in. Well, it wasn't Jesus, it was Joshua. But Stephen said that on purpose. God, God, under inspiration of the Holy Ghost, it's because Jesus Christ, Joshua is a type of Jesus Christ. Hey, a Christian that's following the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, uh, Christians that's following the heavenly Joshua, he'd sit down and say, boy, I don't want to do that because that would grieve the Lord. See, it's different. It's a different attitude. Yes, sir. And the reason a lot of folks is not finding the lot of their Christian life. I just don't feel like all this Christianity is a lot. I said, I said this morning, I think it was sometime, I don't remember it was, but I like a lot of church. Well, some folks, you get to about 10 minutes after 12, which is what time it is right now. I ain't kept you here very long. But it get to about 10 minutes after 12, and some of y'all's belly start growling. And oh, my soul, preacher, we're done. Let us go. Hey, I like church. I like preaching. I like it when you're preaching. Except you ladies. You ladies can't preach. But man, you... How come you don't like a lot of it? Hey, this Christianity, there's a lot in here. There is a ton. There's more. There's more, Brother Chris, I believe, in Christianity than you'll ever find. Because that's just the riches. You won't know what all God has done for you the day that you got saved until you get to heaven. Hey, listen, about the time that the rapture, that, that horn blows, and you start ascending, not in your own power, caught out, going up, and you start seeing the constellations going side by side, 
going out past the Milky Way, it's going to dawn on you. This was a lot. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? That's a, that's a big question. How are you going to get to heaven? How are you going to get to where God is? You ain't going to get there by your own power. Somebody has to give you a lot of power to get there. God gave it to you the day that you got saved. And boy, one day it's really going to register in your heart and mind. I hope to God it doesn't take for that long for it to register. I hope you start tapping into it today. Hey, God, I know you gave me a lot. I want to see what it is. I want to see how much you really gave me. Yes, sir, there's a lot for you. There's a lot for you. <clears throat> Let me say this. When they went into the land of Canaan, they met with some defeat. It was not too far into the book of Joshua. They met with some defeat. You know why? You know why they met with some defeat? Because they had somebody in their midst that was taking things that didn't belong to them. It was taking something that God cursed. It was Achan. Achan found that Babylonian garment and those wedges of gold, and he took it and hid it under his tent, and God had already told him, leave that stuff alone. It's cursed. Achan said, nobody knows. Went and took that stuff and put it in the, pulled up the floor of his tent and dug a little hole, buried it in there. Nobody ever know. Until the next day, people's getting slaughtered. Hey, this is not what God promised us. God promised us victory. Joshua falls on his face. God, what's this all about? God said, get off your face. Sounded like the Lord was a little upset. Get off, get thee up off of thy face. He said, Israel has taken of the accursed thing. Hey, you're not going to be able to live in the land of Canaan and the lot that God has for you so long as you've got things that you're holding on to. Things. They're things. They're things. Not just attitudes. It's stuff. It's stuff. Some of you got stuff at your house that you need to go home and you need to throw it in a fire. You need to burn it. Music, pictures, little objects. You need to just start going through your house and saying, God, if this ain't right, I want to know because I'm ready to fight for this. I'm ready to fight to be in the land that you told me I was supposed to inhabit. I'm ready to, I'm ready to do it. Amen. First place you need to start with you down at your house. Yes, sir. And just start going through and cleaning house. Some of you youngins, you need to start doing that regardless of whether your mom and daddy will do it. I wonder if the reason some of these kids ain't right with God is because of some of you parents as backslid as a devil. I don't know that, but that's grand possibility. Well, hey, you start fighting for it. Amen. There's a lot for you. There's a lot for you. You got to fight for it, though. Father, I pray you help us this morning. God, I pray that you deal with hearts. God, take what's been said this morning. And Lord, have your will and way. God, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Some are coming this morning. If you need to come do business with God, why don't you come? Start right now. Start fighting today. Start fighting today. It's going to be a hard fight. It's going to be a hard fight, but you can fight. You can do it with God's help, with God's blessing. You can be a good Christian. Amen. Do business with the Lord as he leads.